This morning's scripture reading begins on page 864 of the Bible. It comes from the book of John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. Again, it starts on page 864 of the Bible. John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized. He left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar. Near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, Ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will be never thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. God bless water and standing in this room. Amen. So it's become our tradition here at Pilgrim Church uh, in the summer, uh, one, that we have a summer series, and two, that after the sermon, I come out of the pulpit and we have a dialogue about whatever the subject is for that week, so I ask you to kind of uh, enter into that and think about that. So let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. O God, still us this day and center us in you, in thoughtfulness, in connection, and in the quiet. Help us to encounter your holy word that it might transform us, our church, and our world. Help us to ask why and to not be afraid of that question. Amen. Why? Why? You ask too many questions, Mr. Hudson. Please, please, no more questions. I think I was in the fourth grade at St. Thomas Catholic School in religion class when one day the nun who was our teacher Sister Rose Mary, normally a pretty unflappable woman, finally got so sick and tired of me asking all of those darn questions 
that she just told me in front of the whole class to just stop with all my whys. Like, why was God so mad at Adam and Eve? And why in my children's Bible didn't they have any clothes on, save for a fig leaf or two? That raised her blood pressure, along with my drawing a true-to-life picture of this scene one day. (laughs) Sister, why do unbaptized people go to purgatory and not straight to heaven? They haven't done anything wrong. Why, sister? Why? Why? In that classroom at that time, the asking of why about faith or religion or God or life or mysteries, like the Virgin Mary or Jesus' miracles, to ask why, it was not really encouraged. I guess we were supposed to take most things, everything, on faith. Faith, no questions asked. Taken to an extreme, this reminds me of a bumper sticker I've seen plastered to the back of an automobile, uh, driven by a believer of that same kind of unquestioning temperament. The bumper sticker says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Okay? And I think that may work for some folks of faith, but Friends, in our faith tradition, as free-thinking, free-church Christians, as Reformed Protestants with the Bible, our Bible, in hand, we instead enjoy and are called to ask, why? I know I am. Why? Not as a contradiction of faith, but as a way to go deeper into faith. Why? Asked, not out of skepticism or cynicism, but instead with holy curiosity. Holy curiosity, a desire to be thoughtful in faith. To ask questions because we care about our faith. To not check our brains at the front door of the church when we walk in, as one of my seminary professors warned against. Because as he reminded us, his eager students, God gave us our brains for a reason, to think, to inquire, to seek, to investigate, and yes, to ask why, about the most important questions of faith and of life. So that's the backdrop for our Pilgrim Church Summer Preaching and Worship Series, A Summer of Why. Asking why to God and to each other, asking questions that matter. Questions that believers have asked for thousands of years. Questions of God to God about a belief we've wondered about or worried about or wrestled with. Why? So as Sister Rosemary might say, class, put on your thinking caps because it's time and faith to ask why. From that text that Jeff shared... The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I give, they will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up. So here's our why question. Why do most humans... 
most humans yearn for God. Yearn for God. In every culture, in every place, people everywhere, many people, even most people, have this deep, seemingly innate desire and need to connect to a power greater than themselves, something beyond ourselves. Why are we drawn to God? Why do we seek God? Or to put it another way, as you can see on the front of the bulletin, why, comma, God? B-O-N-K. Bonk. I've started riding my bicycle again to train for the Pan Mass Challenge, a 90-mile one-day bike ride. I've done for the past eight summers, along with 5,000 other riders and a team from our church to raise funds for cancer care and research at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. I've been a long-distance bike rider since 1997, and when you participate in such marathon activities, when you push your body thus, there are certain rules I was taught to make sure that you come out of that experience intact and healthy, sound in body and soul. Like always keep a straight line when you are cycling on the road. No weaving to confuse drivers. Always follow all the traffic rules. Be very, very polite to those you share the road with, especially cars. And if you don't want to bonk, B-O-N-K, drink before you are thirsty and eat before you are hungry. Otherwise, you will bonk. Has anyone ever heard that term before? It's a very unscientific term for what happens when your body runs out of fuel and you feel the scary effects of this depletion. When there's nothing left in the tank, you are dehydrated. Symptoms of bonking, lightheadedness, mental confusion, weakness, shaking, even anxiety. The first time I ever bonked, I was on a back road in rural southern Rhode Island, 15 miles from home, with the sun quickly beginning to set. My water bottles were empty. I'd eaten only one banana since noon, And suddenly, I wasn't really sure where I was anymore. I had actually circled around the same block twice. I felt disoriented. How do I get home, I thought. And then I remembered what my cycling mentor had told me. Eat before hungry, drink before thirsty. I sheepishly knocked on the door of a house. I explained my predicament, and that kind-hearted stranger filled both my bottles with ice-cold water and gave me a plate of chocolate chip cookies. I stopped, I ate, I drank, I rested, I recovered, and I went home. Friends, why do most humans yearn for God? Instinctually have some deep spiritual sense that they need to connect to something beyond themselves to give life meaning and purpose. Why, from the youngest age, for example, have I always had a spiritual restlessness, a deep desire to have my life matter somehow for more than just satisfying my instincts or accumulating as much wealth and possessions as I can, more than just living for myself alone or for sensual pleasure or worldly ideas of success? Why, when I am working way too much 
or worrying way too much or fearing way too much or thinking, is that all there is? Do I feel called back to eat and to drink of the things of the Spirit? Why? God. That's what the Samaritan woman seems to be wondering as she stands at the well with Jesus in today's gospel story. Samaritans were a hybrid sect of Judaism in Christ's time. They practiced a very unusual form of faith. So, Orthodox Jews considered Samaritans social pariahs, outsiders to be rejected and judged. Plus, that noonday, this woman was alone, putting her socially at risk in that patriarchal world. But like Jesus, like any human on a hot, arid day in the desert sun, she was thirsty, very thirsty. She needed hydration, water, to not bonk or crash physically. And maybe like you or me, she encountered Jesus and somehow felt welcomed by him at the well. Jesus, who invites her to drink deeply, but not just of water, but of the waters of true life, too. Spiritual water to parch the soul that yearns for God, for meaning, for purpose, for understanding. Sir, where do you get such water? She asks. I am thirsty. Jesus answers that the water she seeks is not just of the body, but the spirit too, living water. And then he invites her to drink and to drink deeply of love, of God, of faith, of something more, more. And Jesus says, those who drink of the water that I give will give them, I give them will never be thirsty. And the woman replies, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty. Eat before hungry, drink before thirsty, or we will, that's your new word for today. Physically, absolutely. And spiritually, too, to bonk, to run out of spiritual fuel for life, to bonk, to become disillusioned or so tired of life's journey that we struggle to find our way home, bonk, to work way too much, to imagine that we are successful as human beings only if we conquer a job or career, to bonk, to look at the state of our world and feel cynical or afraid that things will not get better, or that our efforts mean little or nothing to bonk, to imagine that everything is up to us, us alone, that we are supposed to be fully in control and run the show, to bonk, and then we hit a spiritual wall, and we run out of fuel, and we are hungry for God, and we are thirsty for God, for something good and just beyond ourselves, to be able to fall back into and to trust and to love and be unconditionally loved by something greater than us. Why God? For me, maybe for you, God is like living water. God refreshes me with a direction for life, especially when I feel lost. Living water. God reminds me that it is not all up to me. Thank God. Living water. God says, follow me and I will show you a better way to live day by day, living water. Friends, I am so thirsty some days, but if I am wise and take care of myself, 
I go to the well-called God and I drink deeply because I am finally, you are finally, we are all finally made by God for God and for life. Come and drink and I will fill you up, Jesus says. As St. Augustine wrote in his confessions, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And our souls are thirsty too until we find God's living water and drink deeply from that holy well. So that's my answer to why God, why I yearn for God, desire more than the physical and the temporal and the fleeting. The answer I receive when I ask, is that all there is? How about you? Why God? Let's pray on this, think on this, wonder on this, and ask why with courage and curiosity. Let all God's people say, Amen. Our middle hymn can be found in the red hymnal, number seven, Immortal, Invisible. Invisible.